Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to episode number 502 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. We've got ourselves one hell of a show tonight. The Eagles are hosting the NFC Championship game. Scott Rowland's going to the Hall of Fame. And the Sixers are the number two seed in the East, which is just, look how far we've come. Who would have who thought? Not us. Shout out to Paul Rudd. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to break it all down. Our thoughts on the NFC Championship game, the AFC Championship game, and a whole lot more. But before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash UndergroundSportsPHI, Twitch.tv slash UndergroundSportsPHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Your reviews let us know how you're feeling about the NFC Championship game. All the reviews, all the subscribers, it really does help the show keep growing. Helps more people find the show. And guys, we we have a, a World Series appearance, an NFC Championship game appearance, and an MLS Cup appearance in the matter of, you know, four months. Like, let's keep this thing going. Help more people find the show as we're living in uh, quite a time for Philly sports success. And, of course, subscribe to that Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of this show and all of our podcasts on the network. You get shorts, live streams, original content, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Be a friend, tell a friend, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, and comment down below your thoughts on everything Matt and I discuss on tonight's show. And be sure to get your merch at PHI Apparel Company. There are exclusive merch providers. They just dropped their It's a Philly Thing shirts, plus a very awesome mascot shirt with all four major sports mascots on it. And that's the home of all of our podcast merch as well. You guys can get hoodies, shirts, all that good stuff. It's the most effective and direct way to support us. And you're going to stand out in the crowd when you're rocking your merch from PHI Apparel Company. Use our code UNDERGROUND at phiapparel.co and you get 10% off anytime uh, on any order from our friends at PHI Apparel Company. That's code UNDERGROUND at phiapparel.co for 10% off any and all merch. When you get your merch, tag us, tweet at us. We want to see where you're rocking your merch from. What's going on, man? Living the dream. We are uh, days away from the Eagles once again hosting the NFC Championship game. They bludgeon the Giants, and somehow Chris Sims still thinks Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Uh, but I think the Eagles in uh, Saturday's game answered a lot of questions that people were throwing around the internet over the past week, and they're getting set to uh, welcome Brock Purdy to the East Coast for, I believe, the first time in his career as a starter, and it's Eagles 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. 
is Atlanta? They, I think they played in Atlanta. Is Atlanta technically East Coast? It's Te- like I guess Southeast. I guess it's kind of East Coast. I don't think it's of SEC it as East country. Coast. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> dog country. Um, I mean, it's not often you get to go to bed, uh, you know, at halftime and think, you know what? I think this is going to be all right <laughs> in in a playoff matchup for uh, especially. Um, and, and that's what I did with the Eagles game. I don't remember if Brock Purdy was playing in that yeah, game. I don't think he was a starter in that game. No, it was that, in October. Yeah, so no. Um, yeah, it was Jimmy G. That was still Jimmy G time. But I uh, I felt like, you know, the, the game was very clearly over, I think, in the first quarter. I, it just felt like the Giants had absolutely no answer. Um, I think Eagles just absolutely steamrolled through that game. And, it was a yeah, it was a great performance. I think it was great to see. I like you said. I think a lot of questions answered. I mean, myself, I had questions about mm-hmm. you know, and they passed all the tests with flying colors in that that first matchup. And you know, when you look at last year's playoff performance to to this year, and just what a difference it is. Obviously, the Giants versus Buccaneers. There's there's a, a difference. I would say in like uh, individual quality there, but I would say like in terms of coaching, this Giants team might be better coached. Um, you know, in, in a lot of aspects. So. I, th- I think it's a, it was a great performance. Uh, Jalen had a good night. Uh, I think you saw him, like especially as the game wore on, start to get into more of a rhythm too, which is uh, great to see. And I think he was also starting to trust the shoulder a little bit more. They were talking a lot on the broadcast, and I think it's maybe something we didn't think about either too. Is like throwing is probably not really the issue. It's more yeah. taking a hit, and you know he's such a an aggressive runner at times. Like he's willing to to throw a body away, and saw him a few times, kind of. Uh, give himself up, but then also saw him a few times drop the shoulder and, and really lean into some contact, which I think for him too, like mentally, is, is probably just as important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's a great win. Uh, it's it's great too because it comes on a weekend with a lot of other like news stories where I think it sort of actually falls a little bit to the wayside, yeah. and you don't get I think like the overhyping that you might get in other years. You know, with like obviously everything happening with the Bills. Uh, pretty much all the discussion this week is about like Patrick Mahomes and his ankle, um, like potential Brock Purdy and the Super Bowl stuff. Like it feels like the Eagles blowing out <laughs> a division rival. Eli and... Apple just going full Pat Bell right. on, on Twitter. <laughs> Which, by the way, it's just never good. No, <laughs> it's never a good omen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, I really I really like their performance. I think it gives you a lot of uh, positivity coming in this weekend's matchup for sure. Yeah, and I mean. I, I'm excited about the matchup. Like, I think it's going to be a really awesome game between the Eagles and 49ers. And if the 49ers offensive line gets off to the same start they did against the Cowboys, the Eagles defensive line is, I think, uh, an echelon above what the Cowboys was this year. And they've got everybody pretty much healthy back in the rotation. You saw that against the Giants, how much of a difference maker Josh Sweat is. You know, going up against a, an all-pro left tackle and Andrew Thomas gets a sack and a half on him. I think this Eagles defensive line is one of the big keys to this NFC championship game because you're going to have to go toe-to-toe with that 49ers defensive line. And, you know, in a lot of aspects, the the trenches is going to, I think, determine who ends up winning this game. Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy was 3 for 10 under pressure uh, last weekend. And, you know, I think, you, like you said, you can make the case that the Eagles defensive line is even better. I mean, they really are. They have four guys with 10-plus sacks on the, on that line. And, that's been kind of the way that they've gotten home a lot this year. Um, yeah, I think speaking of like defense versus offense matchup, really it's the opposite way that I think is really the intriguing one because you have really the number one offense in the NFL um, in the Eagles and really the number one defense in the NFL in the 49. Like, I think that's like kind of where the big money uh, plays are going to be made. And I think 
you know, when you're looking at the highlights, I, I would imagine a lot of them are going to come from there. Um, I think for the Eagles, it's really important that you have a takeaway in this game. You know, Brock Purdy's had some like turnover worthy plays. It mm -hmm. hasn't come to fruition. I actually thought he played pretty poorly last week. He wasn't amazing against Seattle either, but yeah. you know, we, We've seen, too, that he doesn't have to be amazing for the 49ers to win, uh, such as the quality of their team and the way that they play the game, that you know he doesn't have to be, you know, even at a, a B-minus or a C. Like, he can have a, I don't know, like a C-minus game, and they can still win and make it look relatively comfortable. I mean, there was definitely a few moments against the Cowboys, but it never really felt, never really felt in danger in that game uh, too often. It's obviously going to be a different atmosphere when they're in Philadelphia um, and, you know, all that, all the charge. Now you're not getting the Saturday night at 8.15. Um, Along but, with a, a, you know, a one o'clock Wings game. Right. <laughs> Which a great week for the Wings, by the way, too. Yeah. I think got a lot of, uh, <laughs> got a lot of coverage because everyone was onto the fact that people were tailgating for like 12 hours um, <laughs> before the game. And yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, like you said, I think it's going to be a great game. And I think these are the two best teams in the NFC too, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I think you got that in the AFC as well. I really don't think there's, there's a team remaining that, you know, got here, but with a little bit of luck or whatever, like, I think if you would ask me, I, I think we even talked about this, honestly, a month ago, like, um, we, I think we were really high on the Bengals and I think we were really high on the 49ers. Obviously we're always high on the Eagles and like, that's the, those are the teams that we have left, right? And the chiefs are just kind of the ever present like force, <laughs> you know, through the entire NFL. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I think, again, putting pressure on Brock Purdy is going to be the most important thing. Jalen's going to have to be, like, tight with the ball. You know, we saw, you know, so many times, like, just these – the 49ers team has just such a great ability to be very disruptive in so many ways. Um, you know, they're, they're good at taking away the ball. They have a great turnover, different run show. Like, these two teams are very, very equal in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, Eagles probably have the better talent, like, top to bottom, but I think – Coaching-wise, this 49ers team is very hard to beat. However, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he's, he saw it in this game against the Cowboys again, too, where he, he has – if there is a weakness in his coaching ability is that he is, like, very conservative at times, and that can bite you, you know, and, 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 and has before, um, in, especially in high-stakes matchups. And that's where he's sort of been more willing to go in the turtle shell a little bit more. And it works for him very often, but sometimes it doesn't, too. And, you know, I, I think Nick Sirianni is shown to be like a, a little bit aggressive, right? And I think that could be kind of the, the difference maker in this game is that, you know, if there's one negative thing you could say about Kyle Shannon is that time management and, you know, all those things, all those kind of just like everything you see here about Andy Reid, essentially, it's like, you know, very similar for Kyle Shannon. Yeah. And I think one thing, not that I ever want to give the Cowboys credit for anything, but I think one thing they did really well was they forced Brock Purdy to, you know, throw the ball like... Yes, their one touchdown came on the ground, but Christian McCaffrey against the Cowboys averaged 3.5 yards of carry, ran 10 times for 35 yards, and had that one touchdown. The 49ers' leading rusher was Elijah Mitchell with 51 yards on 14 carries. I think if this Eagles defense can kind of use their talent, which is, I think, a lot more present and a lot deeper in terms of you know who's on that defensive line at any given time, if they can shut down the 49ers' run game and really hone in on that and force Brock Purdy to be the one to beat them, I think that works out really well for the Eagles because on the back end for the Eagles, much better secondary than the Cowboys have. McCaffrey, too, has an injury that they're not like being super clear. He has a calf contusion. Um, now, he's not practicing today. A lot of players won't practice on Wednesdays, you know, and it's it's very common, um, and especially during the playoffs, too. You're going to see guys get a lot more rest and practice, things like that, practice a little differently. But, you know, McCaffrey has not been the most durable player throughout his career. 
Um, and you just wonder, like, you know, he, he didn't look... His he, he didn't look like the McCaffrey that we've seen, especially in that like that Seahawks game. He breaks mm-hmm. off that big run, like, and part of that is the defense, but part of that too, you know, if he is like even ten percent less of what he normally is, that could be a, a big advantage, um, you know, for the Eagles. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But you know, they they have so many game breakers on that offense yeah. that it's it's very hard. You know, it, that's that's going to be the I think the one of the big challenges of this game too is especially to you know, Eagles defensively. I think the only area that they're not great at is is linebacking and, and and the linebacker core here so um and if there's an area of the field that the 49ers are happy to throw the ball into and are happy to get their guys into space there is is you know over the middle of the field right where you have to worry about those types of things thinking of george kittle and his like ringling brothers circus catches and you know debo samuel and Ayuk in space and you know, mccaffrey is obviously such like a multi-faceted weapon that you know it could be hard to track so um there's a lot of like questions that you have to answer when you play the 49ers you know offensively right like because they just have so much talent available that um you constantly have to be and then that would worry me a little the Eagles have been very good defensively but they also haven't been a defense that hasn't been game plan specific they are a like set up and play Mm -hmm. type of defense and that could be a worry you know in, in a game like this where you have one of the best offensive schemers you know in the game right now in Kyle Shanahan like if you're giving him like a defense that doesn't really change, he certainly is going to be able to find ways to exploit that. And I think the other like subplot to this game too is it's you know defensive coordinator wise, it's D'Amico Ryan's, it's Jonathan Gannon, those two guys vying for head coaching positions across multiple teams. I think this is once again you know like just like it was for Jonathan Gannon last week, more so than D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, this is a this is a head coach off almost. You know this is an audition for. These teams that Gannon and Ryan's have have interviewed for, um, and are trying to you know make their mark as head coaches and take that next step, and I think that's going to be something that you know whether it's the Texans, the Cardinals, the Broncos, whoever it may be, they're going to be watching this game to see how those two guys are performing against these two you know high octane offenses. Absolutely, Domingo Ryan's too has been a you know a defensive coordinator that I think is probably been deserving of getting like some more head coach love over the last few years but he also too has like I mean Fred Warner has been I think like a guy that I think a lot of people have known about for the last few years but I think really has stepped onto mm-hmm. people's like tv screens now uh especially like last week but you know through this season I think he's really gotten a lot of uh praise and deservedly so for how good he is you know they're just the talent they have at their disposal and I think so much of that too is just the fact that they have done incredibly well as, as an organization to be at this level. I think both of these teams too, honestly, you know, I've, have if you look at the Eagles two or three years ago, uh, you know, this team was in like a, a bad place. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was one of the oldest teams in football. Uh, they they had were four eleven and one in twenty twenty. They had a ton of aging guys. Uh, you know, obviously move on from Doug, and I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the direction of, of this team and, and the franchise for at least. You know, if you had said in 2023 they would be back, you know, in an NFC Championship game and, you know, the favorites to go to the Super Bowl and that game, like, that would, I think, genuinely would have taken some people by surprise. Um, and that's not being revisionist. I think that's just where we were. And the quick turnaround, you know, to, to now being uh, back established, and part of that was obviously having Jalen already, but, you know, just the, the way that they've cat maneuvered, um, definitely some of the, the draft decisions, right, and, you know, how he's 
fairly and unfairly at times, I think, got criticism for his, like, drafting ability, and I think there are still, like, with everyone, with every GM, there are hits and misses, but um, I think you have to say that he's identified talent really well, and he's been aggressive. You know, your two best offensive players, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, have been draft A aggressive reaches or you know just go up and get your guy that you love and uh, are, are willing to spend capital to get so um, yeah the, the the turnaround for both teams I think has been really good and you know 49ers have had this longevity where you know they've been able to constantly extend this window that they've been on it is not often that teams for you know they were in the Super Bowl in 2019 it's not mm-hmm. often that for four years you are a team that is is relevant in that way um, so yeah, I think both these teams are, are really impressive. Yeah, because I mean, look, four years after the Eagles, four eleven and one. Right. And, you know, you have a quarterback who's causing up all types of you know in-house controversy, and you know you have to ship him out. And ultimately, I was going back and I was like wondering what came of the the Colts pick ended up being AJ Brown. Right. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> and that's just what you you. In some ways, you have to get a little bit lucky, but you know, like that is that is the reality too of like getting a rebuild right is sometimes getting some luck, but also knowing when to like just cash in on someone and uh, you know just try and when it's time to move on. And you know, I, I think the Eagles have done that really well. So um, it's I, I think just a testament to both the organizations too. Like you know, these are two like of the most you know, 49ers obviously a little bit before our time in terms of like dominance and all that, and, like in the early 90s and but. You know, the Eagles and, and 49ers have both been two organizations in my lifetime that have, like, perennially just been, like, if not in the playoffs constantly, like, at least good. Like Models never, of consistency. Yeah, they've, they've been consistent teams uh, throughout the years, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And, I mean, you just look at the four teams left, like like you mentioned. Like, they're the four teams that I think a lot of people going into this season had a lot of high hopes for. Obviously not in a lot of the states that they currently are in. Uh, you know, nobody thought Brock Purdy would be starting an NFC championship game. Nobody thought Patrick Mahomes would be injured going into an AFC championship game. Uh, and then, you know, the Eagles, I, I think there was a lot of questions across the board, and I don't think a lot of people expected them to have the best record in the NFL. So I think, you know, for those these four teams and, and three of the four were in this position last year. You know, the 49ers were in the NFC championship game last year. It was Bengals Chiefs last year. Uh, so for the Eagles to step in and, you know, kind of take that leap with Nick Sirianni, it just shows how important, too, that for Jalen Hurts especially to have just like a, a normalcy of, you know, back-to-back coaching years with the same system, same coach, um, that's huge. And I think, uh, you know, at least we're not the Cowboys. Right, at least we're not the Cowboys. Jalen deserves a lot of credit, too, because, you know, we shouldn't, misremember that last year after the playoffs the Eagles were definitely gearing up to go get a quarterback mm-hmm. this year you know like that was definitely I think part of their plan and the amount of times we heard Russell Wilson's name right I mean Russell Wilson Deshaun Watson I know we don't like to think about these things yeah. but those were like there is a reality where one of those guys are I don't know about both maybe we could try so <laughs> but you know like where one of those guys is an Eagle this year you know that that is just the reality like can't can't just dismiss it because now we've obviously had a great season and it can continue to be even even more amazing like the reality was like steam was ready to move on from Jalen this offseason and this offseason coming up you know mm-hmm. they, they geared up with some draft capital to if they really like Bryce Young or whoever like to go up and get him or any of these free agents or guys with trade so um, he's done a lot you know personally to, to improve again this year and yeah Nick Sirianni's been good um, surprising that he's not in the, the final three for coach of the year um, typically like having I saw a graphic where it was like top five for 
He's they've whittled it down to the top okay. three, and he's apparently not in the top That's three. That's crazy. So, yeah, <laughs> I I think it is. Um, I know like Dayball's in there in the top three, and obviously what he did this year was great. Um, feels a little bit though like I to me there's a, a massive difference between yeah. like being the seven seed and right like I think that it's very annoying because to me that award turns sometimes into. We thought you were going to be really shitty, mm-hmm. and it turns out you were actually okay. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, a year ago, that team is actually not a playoff team. Correct. <laughs> you know, like, I, and then what? Are we, like, again, the, the Giants had a good year, but are we, really, like, are we throwing them a parade, like, in the national media and, like, swooning over what a bright future they have? Unless your name is Peter Schrager. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if, if they, you know, miss the playoffs, but they yeah. go, like, a respectable 9-8, and eight, whatever, like, come on. Like, I, you know, I just think that's... That's a little and ridiculous. then, like, on the flip side, like, you can understand why a Doug Peterson is nominated because you look where the Giants – or the, the Jaguars, right. excuse me, were with uh, Urban Meyer. Everybody was like, oh, is Trevor Lawrence, like, a bust? And then Doug Peterson comes in, one year flips the culture, gets him to the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence looks like the quarterback we all knew when he was at Clemson and has completely changed the trajectory of an organization where I think the Giants – they were lucky to be in the situation they were in and kind of knew that, like, this season was just, like, the year before they were ready to take that step. Yeah. I'm trying to find the final list. Um, I know I saw it earlier today. Um, it's, I think, Dable, Peterson, and Shanahan, I think, are the final three. Um but yeah, Sirianni, I, I know, did not make it in there, which is just, I don't know. To me... Yeah. It's Shanahan, Doug Peterson, Brian Dable. Yeah. I Come on. <laughs> you, like, listen, like, you can sell me on Peterson. Here's the thing. I think Andy Reid should be in there. T- it, to me, it should be Reid, Sirianni, Shanahan, it, like, in my personal opinion. Like, mm-hmm. because the narrative about the Chiefs this offseason, too, is that they lost Tyreek Hill, and all this, their, their offense wasn't going to be good anymore. This team's going to suck, and they're just as good as they've ever been. <laughs> like, and some of that is Patrick Mahomes-led, but, like... It just feels like we get fatigued sometimes and are not willing to give people credit. But at least we're not the Cowboys. At least we don't yeah. have to uh, <laughs> at McCarthy's I'll drink face. to that. Uh, man. That's the good news. We're, we're going to talk about those Cowboys because how about them? It's brought to you by our friends over at Dubby Energy. They're our new sponsor. Uh, you know, you guys see all these energy drinks out on the, the open market and everything. And they always try to advertise. There's, you know, no crash, no jitters and all that stuff. And you end up trying it and they still end up being that way. Uh, w was formulated to give you focus and energy with no jitters or crash. Their formula contains vitamins, amino acids, and nootropics, including the patented neurofactor, which has been proven in studies to help improve uh, brain performance. There's zero calories in Dubby, no sugar, no maltodextrin, no fillers, and Sarah will really like this, no artificial colors, no red 40 mm-hmm. in their fruit punch. Mm-hmm. Uh I got Dubby came in the mail today. This uh, shaker comes if you sign up for their newsletter. I have the Dragonade, which is dragon fruit and pink strawberry lemonade. Going to try it live here on the show for the first time. Live taste test. Live taste test. (laughs) Feeling like Rhett and Link out here. (laughs) That's spectacular. (laughs) There's, I think... A lot of people, too, when it comes to whether it's pre-workout or anything that comes in, like, the powder stuff, 
you're always like, oh, it's got that chalky taste. There's zero chalk taste. I just tried it right here. Not even joking about that. Uh, and they've got tons of flavors on their website, and it's super affordable in terms of, you know, going to your typical vitamin store or anything like that. Uh, so you guys can go to w.gg. Link is in the description, uh, both on audio and on YouTube, and use our code UNDERGROUND for 10% off anytime, any order. That's w.gg, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off. Shout out to Dubby. How about them Cowboys, man? Woo! <laughs> um, I, it's the second straight year that I have, like, actually laughed. I know people say they laugh at, like, certain situations in life. I actually laughed uh, in my living room watching the final Cowboys play. And I'm just really glad that they gave me that gift for the second year running. Because um, it's always nice to kind of cap off your weekend with just a little bit of, like, lightheartedness, a little bit of funny, and... Um, bizarre I, just, uh, I feel really bad in a way for zeke elliott because he just got signed up to be the Man. first man off the boat on d-day and just get absolutely wrecked um it was so funny because there was so much build up to that final play and you see him run out with like just zeke at center and all the linemen on one side and you're like oh they got like something working here then the timeout comes and it's like building you're like wait it's like all right like let's let's see and it's just so anticlimactic where <laughs> ball gets like out and immediately just wrecked and the game's over and it's just like, yep <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious that final that final drive they had was um i mean if i'm a cowboys fan i think i mean i don't know what i'd be thinking i i, I don't know that i would have consciously made it to the end of that game i think i would have passed out due to blood pressure induced rage but um very frustrating final drive for them uh, which kind of caps off just like a frustrating year for them and you know i think kind of have more questions than answers going into the offseason now too because it's tough when you're 12 and 5 it's hard to fire your coach and you know there's not a ton of moves they can make you know with cap space availability being what it is so it's going to be a fun offseason for them looking forward to it um I don't wish them any luck in any of their endeavors but um yeah I'm just saying like maybe it's it's just another quarterback with Mike McCarthy as a coach that constantly has to like win games and throw into tight windows like I, I don't think it's a coincidence that this year Dak has had such a high interceptions number and um I if I'm a Cowboys fan I'm very frustrated because when you look at the Cooper Rush weeks his team opened up the offense in a way that is not open for Dak and I I think I'd have some questions about that yeah did you see the tweet from the official Cowboys account I did what the hell was that <laughs> I've never seen friendly fire like that in my life that was <laughs> like, I, I think it was Kyle Newbeck or Derek Bodner tweeted it too. They said this is like if Brian Colangelo was running the Sixers official account. That was like, Jesus Christ! Like, I don't think Dak Prescott's the reason you lost that game, but, ah, jeez, that's like a brutal thing um, to to have tweeted. It was just unbelievable. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice. In the narrow loss of the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, and it's like a like a headline for a, an article. Yeah, you know that like sounds that, like pro football like, talk would put that out. I mean, honestly, like for that to come from like the team's account is like outrageous. And then there's like, if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm getting on the phone like, what the fuck was that? Like. And apparently there's rumors swirling that, like, Jerry Jones okayed for that to go out. And, like, it's his headline. Oh, great. That's, that's also be glad we don't have a Jerry Jones. Oh. <laughs> and then after that game, too, like, uh, Cooper Rush trending. It's like, oh, Cooper Rush would have won us that game. 
Cowboys fans wanting Dak traded. I'm just so happy we are not this organization. Feels good. Feels gotta, real good. Gotta say, feels good. Did you see the tweet too about uh, Jalen Hurts and the Cowboys' last appearance in the NFC Championship game? No. <laughs> Jalen Hurts was probably not alive. He was not. <laughs> so I'm gonna pull this tweet up so I can read it verbatim. Uh, because I, you want to talk about me getting a, a good-hearted laugh? This comes from at Gordon's Word on Twitter. Cowboys played in the NFC Championship game on January 21st, 1996. Jalen Hurts was born on August 7th, 1998. Jalen Hurts grew up, learned how to play football, squatted 600 pounds, graduated college, got drafted by the Eagles, made it to the NFC Championship game, and Dallas still hasn't been to one. (laughs) That is great. And if you want to sprinkle a little bit on there too, Jalen Hurts won a national championship at Alabama. (laughs) That would that would really I think piss uh, Dak Prescott. He's old. He's old Miss, right? Old Miss. Yikes. Or no, I think he was Mississippi State. Was he? One of the Mississippi schools he went to. I, I feel like he was old Miss, but they run together in my mind. Mississippi State, he was. Look but at just you. look at you draft knowledge. Unreal. Great tweet from Gordon's work. Um, well, Kyle, he was the MVP of the 2013 Liberty Bowl. So let's not forget that. After leading his Bulldogs to a 44-7 win over the Rice Owls. So, come on. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> also, can we can we just talk about how the Eagles, on 38-7 day, yeah, put up 38-7. Let's see, you know, like, don't want to put it out there, but that just felt like a sign. Oh, <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, Boston Scott, again, trolls the Giants, scoring on them. Made some people a lot of money. And uh, I saw, some, uh, I think it was at NYG Daily, tweeted, my number one priority for the uh, the Giants this free agency is to sign Boston Scott because I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> Just great. Good luck, pal. Good, good for believing in the bit. <laughs> uh, but the Eagles are going to the NFC Championship, Championship game. It's Chiefs-Bengals on the other side of the bracket in the AFC. This, this is a big moment for the Chiefs. I would like to thank Joseph Burrow for making me $80 this weekend. There we go. Because uh, I bet on the Bengals and for passing to Jamar Chase for a touchdown, which I also bet on. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, Bengals, I think, are just great. <laughs> Joe, Burrow <laughs> is, Joe Burrow is just such a cool guy to root for, and it's going to kill me if it's a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. <laughs> um, really wanted him to win last year just because I like him. I... You know, just as a semi Dolphins fan, I really, 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 really wanted him on the Dolphins. Um, he's just great to root for. The Bengals team is, is a lot of fun, and they're very good. And they made beating the Bills look very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bills hadn't lost by more than a field goal all year. Um, and that game did not feel particularly close at no. any time. And, uh, you know, They've they've gone in and beat the Chiefs three times in a row. They they went there last year in the AFC Championship game and won after you know uh, having a really rough first half where they were down and and make that uh, incredible comeback. And uh, this team feels just as good as it did last year, if not actually better. And they went to the Super Bowl. Now it's hard to bet against the Chiefs. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, but um, you know he obviously has the high ankle sprain, which is going to affect his mobility, and that is like sort of an underrated aspect of Patrick Mahomes as, as a quarterback is that he's not as mobile as, like, some of these other guys. He's not like Jalen Hurts, right, mm-hmm. in, in, in his ability to get out of the pocket. But 
Um, he's able to evade pressure a lot and extend plays, and we know that he's just, like, a great, like, he's great at just, like, uh, you know, like, improvising. You know, like, he, he's just so good at that. So um, the fact that his mobility could be limited a little bit, and we saw the Bengals getting tons of pressure on Josh Allen, who's also, you know, obviously very good at getting out of the pocket and making big runs. Um, you know, if, if Mahomes is even hindered a little bit, you know, that, that could be a huge matchup there. So really looking forward to I mean, you have like two like great, great matchups. And I, and we did say too, that everyone was like hyping up the chiefs and the bills for the AFC championship game. And that's how you knew it was not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> it was and not going to happen. The one positive from that not happening is we don't have to even let the NFL experiment with the neutral site game. Right. We just keep that out, out Goodbye. of that. And, um, as, uh, as Joe Burrow would say, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but, uh, Make sure you get those Make refunds. Make sure you get those refunds, baby. <laughs> <laughs> never never sell. I understand you have to, the like, logistically, but, like, keep it, like, even keel. Keep yeah. it a little quiet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just send out the email to your season ticket people. Don't. Let's not go crazy. Absolutely unbelievable. Everyone, every team's got to do it. You have to. Yeah. That and it. It's like people always, like, hate on, like, the teams when they submit the parade plans or whatever, like, you know, before the championship game or series or whatever. It's like they have to. Like mm-hmm. it, you can't have a, a massive parade like that without you're setting some some resources aside a month in advance. Um, exactly. But you know, like let's just do it quietly. <laughs> I think the, the real big... G is moving silence like lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> the real question this week is what game is Jason Kelsey's mom going to? Um, Travis is playing I, I don't know if this is a fever dream or not. I swear that they took a flight one time. They did last year. So it was, uh, I think, Chiefs were playing in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Eagles were playing in Tampa. I think Eagles, the Eagles had the Eagles afternoon had a, game. Yeah, I they think, had a right? 1 o'clock game, and then the Chiefs were playing at, I think, 7.30 local time there. So they took a flight. Took uh, a flight. I saw Eagles them. play at 3, and then the AFC Championship game, I think, is at 6.30. Doesn't feel doable. No. Um, I did see their very nice dual jerseys. Yes, uh, I like the front to back. Too many people do the the half front, and like half. Horror, uh, vertical split down the middle. I like the front being Travis, the back being J- Jason. I think that's if I were so lucky yes. <laughs> to have two Hall of Fame children <laughs> that became professional athletes. I think that's how I uh, would uh, would split up the jerseys as well. And my my guess. Is that she's gonna go to Philly because she was in Kansas City last week? She tweeted a picture of herself and it was like, uh, "On my way to Kansas City for whatever time the the Chiefs game started." Uh, my heart is in Philadelphia at eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. So something tells me Mama Kelsey's gonna be in Philadelphia. That would be great. So, especially since she missed out on the festivities of what last week was. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> I forget if I said this on. Monday's episode or not, but I was in Philly for the Wings game, and uh, when I was leaving the Wells Fargo Center and finally making my way out of uh, the sea of tailgates, I was driving down by where we typically park when we're going to games by the Cisco building. As I'm driving on the right-hand side, I just see just a lovely gentleman in one of your typical like soccer mom chairs, pile of logs right next to him, and then a fire pit that belongs in a backyard. <laughs> respect it i was like you sir 
that, I tell you, you're doing it right. Yes, because you know it's it's a marathon. You know you got to stay warm and comfortable. You know you can't burn yourself out at you know early afternoon when you got to make it all the way till eight, and then you have the game. You still got to get through like three hours of game. So respect it. Well done. Um, yeah, I mean NFC Championship game, second time in in five years, and. Everyone's going crazy for the Eagles when you're in Philly. I don't know if you saw the clip from uh, WWE Raw. I did not. Old brother Hulk Hogan came out. We have a bad history with uh, <laughs> wrestling athletes and big playoff matchups. I would kind of like that energy to stay away did from his, uh his little intro... Also, not sure we want Hulk yeah. Hogan that, you know, like, let's, <laughs> this just feels bad all the way around. Let's just keep, let's keep Hulk Hogan in the WWE, the World Wrestling Federation, whatever it is now, the Saudi League. Let's just keep him, keep him a little away from us. This keep is the, the intro, off. as Howie Roseman was in attendance for, <laughs> for Raw. Oh no! Oh no! We're so screwed. I've never seen Hulk Hogan look more like Guy Fieri in my life either. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a decent amount of crossover between the two characters for sure. Uh, heading into the weekend though, how confident are you? I am. You know, for a playoff matchup, it always goes either way. Um, I do feel like the Eagles are a great team, and I think. I think they are just as likely and able. And listen, like, we didn't even talk about the fact that 49ers have given up lots of explosive games to teams, you know, like, and to specifically players. DK Metcalf, first week of the playoffs, um, has a great performance against them. And that's with Geno Smith, too, you know, like, a good quarterback, but not certainly elite. Um, you know, even last week, CD had some big plays, and, and you feel like he could have done even more, you know, if they kind of worked him into the game. But, but you know, like, A.J. Brown has that ability. Devontae Smith has that ability. Dallas Goddard has that ability. Miles Sanders has a bit like Jalen Hurts even has that ability. Like but specifically like passing, I think this team has the ability to really break open explosive plays. Just like the the talk will be a lot about 49ers ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Eagles are just in the in that similar sort of stratosphere, I think, in, in ability to break off a sixty yard touchdown. So um I am I am leaning Eagles in that matchup. I am I'm predicting an Eagles Bengals Super Bowl. Um I just think the Bengals look very good. They have for the last two months. They've looked like I, I think one of the better teams in football. Um, it's hard to bet against the Chiefs. I think it that that game is much more of a toss up to me than the the Eagles and 49ers. I think both will be close. I think the Eagles 49ers will be a close game, but I feel more confident in the Eagles than mm-hmm. I do in picking necessarily the Bengals. But I've been riding with the Bengals. I've been a, I've been a Joey Burr man for a while, and so I, I'm just I'm sticking with it. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the 49ers losses this year. Uh, Lost week one with Jimmy or with Trey Lance, actually. Yeah. Uh, that to awful the Bears. rain, yeah. monsoon game. Lost to the Broncos two weeks later, 11 to 10. Yep. And uh, the other notable loss in here was the Falcons, uh, 28 to 14 in October. That was and a then, big injury game. Yeah. And then they went to overtime January 1st against the Raiders, 37 to 34. And that was, uh, what's his name? Stidham? Yeah. <laughs> Just the most bizarre. That was um that was like 
fantasy football ruined because you picked the yeah. 49ers defense in like what should have been a very obvious plus matchup uh week so it's gonna be a fun uh nfc championship afc championship and hopefully we'll be talking about uh the eagles going to their second super bowl in five years uh out in arizona that would be great that field in arizona hopefully they get that thing yes in as pristine condition as possible some demons out there (laughs) uh but matt the philadelphia 76ers are sitting comfortably in the two seed somehow they are somehow some way playing Uh, the brooklyn nets tonight yes Uh, it's brought to you by our friends at kenwood beer if you guys are down at the wells fargo center anytime this season uh, you can grab a Big Kenny at the Wells Fargo Center now. You can also go to KenwoodBeer.com and use their all-new and improved Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. And hopefully, according to Kenwood Beer officially on Twitter, New Jersey uh, in 2023 as well. Uh, but go to KenwoodBeer.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. The Nets are in town. Big one in terms of uh, this part of the season standings uh nets obviously they are the four seed right now at 29 and 17 no kevin durant still uh sixers at 30 and 16 three and a half back of the celtics how did we get here (laughs) you know um great coaching and (laughs) you know i i think it's amazing too because you know earlier this week they they went against the kings without harden and Embiid, despite being down a significant amount um it's kind of a crazy end of the game, too. Uh, Harrison Barnes is the ability to tie the game. He gets fouled on a three and misses the first and then has to intentionally miss the last. Like, it's kind of amazing that they scrape their way uh, with a win out of that one, but that was their fifth straight. And that's been kind of the story of this Sixer season is like five or six straight, like two bad losses that kind of frustrate you. And then again, like reel you right back in with, with another five straight. And um, you know, they've really turned things around and, and be now officially the, the top scorer in the league. Uh, which is great to see. He's playing tonight. He was a game-time decision, uh, so it's great to have him. Harden playing. Uh, Maxi is, you know, in their absence uh, against Sacramento, had a, a really strong game, uh, strong performance. So Danthony Mellon have a good game. Like, I think uh, they made good moves in the offseason. You know, we, can't, we can't lose sight of that. You know, I think they, they've made some good decisions, and, and even at the trade deadline last year. But, um, you know, it's it's the thing we keep saying, and it, it gets exhausting to say, but it's just something we have to keep in mind to avoid ourselves from really getting crushed, is that this team has done this to us before. They've been one of the top seeds, and it hasn't mattered because in the playoffs they've just had this uncanny ability to just, just lose and, and lose in frustrating ways. So um, it's fun, though. It's, it's fun to be back in on them in some ways at least and, and to watch this team play well. I'm excited for tonight's matchup, obviously, too, because, you know, it, really hasn't felt like we've gotten really that good like and it still has it because we don't have to rain in this game but um it just feels like every time the nets and sixers play there's someone missing or there's some other thing going on that i think kind of detracts from the attention yeah and it's the first time we get Embiid versus simmons right um and that's worth we're, it. we're on poster <laughs> watch <laughs> for the love of christ there's nothing i need more than uh than than ben simmons uh giving everyone it's chick-fil-a this year it's not the, the frost anymore but yeah. uh, giving everyone bricking for chicken <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's what we really need tonight he's uh, shooting I, he's shooting let me ask you this actually what do you think ben's off the top of your head ben simmons free throw percentage this season oof. is keep in mind you know typically as a sixer he was like in like the 60 61 range this season what is his free throw percentage 
I feel like I might be too low, but I don't think there's ever anything truly too low for Ben Simmons' free throw percentage. But I also might be too high. I'm I'm gonna go a conservative thirty three percent. He's shooting. Let me let me get the exact number, the exact the exact guy here. Um, I it is <laughs> it is point four three four percent, so forty three percent from the free throw line. If that was three points, that Damn, <laughs> is that Desmond Bain? I just, Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> He's been, I, I, it's just, you know, I, I was watching right, right as as we're doing this, I'm watching the ESPN stuff on on mute, and uh, they're discussing the Harden versus Simmons trade, and it's like that's how I get that they have to. I I feel bad for the people. I obviously couldn't hear what points yeah. they were making, but I would not want to have to be assigned that segment yeah. to try and somehow argue, uh, like in favor of Ben Simmons. They're showing a great montage of Harden in a Nets jersey and in a Sixers jersey, and Ben in a Sixers jersey and a Nets jersey. It's it's good stuff. Uh, our good friend Sixers Adam covering uh, the game tonight for for the Ricky just tweeted Ben Simmons was in full uniform shooting free throws while Maddie Court announced the Sixers starters. <laughs> weirdo baby uh, Mina Kimes said a long time ago now I think and I still think it's the most accurate thing anyone has ever said maybe about sports ever said that um, Ben is a cat person and Embiid is a dog person and that is just I, that has really stuck with me <laughs> that has really <laughs> stuck with me it is so true Ben is Ben has such cat behavior and Embiid Race has such honestly like it's and Embiid is such a dog guy like it's amazing that is so accurate. Um, I mean, from where we were, and I, I'm going to ask you this, because part of me thinks it might be because of where we were in October, November, obviously with the, the high of Red October, the high of the Union being in the MLS Cup. It felt like, you know, the Sixers were kind of on the back burner. We didn't really care what was going on. They were off to kind of a slow start, so it was like, whatever. You know, we have two teams competing for a championship. Like, that's way more important. And then the Eagles go on this, you know, incredible, you know, franchise historic run. And it was like, nobody really cares about the Sixers right now. Christmas rolls around, which is typically when the NBA season starts, air quotes for people just listening on, on the podcast. Um, and then something just clicked for them. And now it's like everybody is ready to ride. Even though, you know, the Eagles are getting ready for the NFC Championship game. You still kind of keep your peripherals a little bit on what's going on with the Sixers. And I think recently, part of that is to do with the the five straight wins on the road, on the West Coast road trip, which in the past feels like that never happened. But what do you think it is that, you know, everybody seems to be ready to ride with this team again, even though we know they hurt us time and time again? Health is the biggest thing. I, th- I think one of the most under-reported or under-discussed parts of the first part of the season being so bad for the Sixers, everyone was hurt. <laughs> like, Harden and Bita Maxi had played, like, six games together in, like, late November. You know, like, and you're a month and a half into the season at that point. You know, like, early December, this this team had barely played together. Um, so it's no surprise to me that they got off to a slow start like they did. I think part of it, too, is, like, just, like, fan expectation is, like, naturally at the beginning of the season when you've been hurt three straight, four straight off seasons now by this team in the playoffs it's hard to like have that buy-in again. Like each year it gets harder and harder to kind of really get reacquainted with the team and 
um, sort of feel comfortable with them and, and feel like you can put some trust in them. And, you know, yeah, this year it takes you till almost, you know, February to, to start getting back in the mood and be like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll be back in, you know, like it's, but it, it's hard. Every, every time they break your heart, it takes, you lose a little equity, you know, with the fans. And, um, you know, that, that's the, again, the, the frustrating part of all of this is, um, as good as they've been, you know, those scars are, are still there, whether, you know, we, we like that or not. And I think the, the even weirder part is typically everybody starts to pay a little closer attention around this time of year too, because of the trade deadline. And this is the first year that like, it feels like the Sixers may not even make a move. Yeah. The moves they make might be more just like uh, luxury tax related rather than, you know, and it, it, the Sixers have been very active at the trade deadline every year going back four or five years now. Like it's, you know, it's just been a kind of a staple of this time of year. You know, typically we have like a whole show where we're like, oh, who do we? And it's like, feel man. bad for our boy Trill. <laughs> oh, well, listen, I've been, I've been listening, and they still got great stuff going. They had, um, I listened to the first half of the the Trade Machine War Crime episode today. Um, cannot recommend that enough. It was uh, it was fantastic stuff. So I'm looking forward to diving back into that tomorrow. My my drive, but yeah, you know, like. Just around the league, I think in general, trades have been a little muted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I just think there there are some teams obviously that could be you know looking to, to move away from some for some pieces and, and teams that could should, could and should maybe get a little aggressive. But it's, it does have a different feel to years past. And it feels like a lot of the moves that could have been made, you know, at this trade deadline, happened this off season. Mm-hmm. You know, the Donovan Mitchells, the Rudy Gobert type moves, like. The, the, the blow-up type moves happened in the summer rather than happening in February. And, and a lot of those big deals, too, you can't trade guys. You know, like, yeah. there's there's a moratorium on, on when you're able to trade them, too. So, you know, like, there's a lot of movement action this, this summer, and that's not atypical for the NBA, of course. But I think that is also limited a little bit, you know, maybe all the different types. Because all it takes is, you know, seven or eight guys to be – you know, not able to be traded at the deadline. And all of a sudden that has like a, a pretty serious like domino effect on, on everywhere else in the league. So um, yeah, I, I, it's exciting uh, for the Sixers just in terms of like, you look at like this, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but it's just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I'm tentatively sticking my toes in the water again and starting to, to be happy again with, with them. Gotta love it. Gotta love the success that's been rolling around. It is crazy, you know, where we were uh, just like a month ago compared to where we are now with this team being in the two seed and, uh, you know, kind of hitting their stride at a a good time for this point in the season. Uh, Something that hasn't hit its stride, though, in quite some time is the MLB Hall of Fame. Uh, Former Philly Scott Rowland gets inducted uh, this year as the only inductee. We've talked about this a ton um, on this show before in the past and just the ridiculousness that is the, the Hall of Fame voting. This was the uh, the final vote tallies here from MLB.com. Uh, Scott Rowland got 76.3% of the vote. He got in by five votes, which is, I think, only the fourth time that's ever happened. Um, the next closest was Todd Helton who got 72.2% of the vote. Billy Wagner got 68.1%. Andrew Jones got 58.1%. Gary Sheffield got 55%. Carlos Beltran got 46.5%, as did uh, former survivor Jeff Kent on his final year on the ballot. So now he's going to have to uh, 
wait for the the veterans committee if he does get in. Uh, Alex Rodriguez got 35.7%. Manny Ramirez got 33.2%. Omar Vizquel got 19.5%. Andy Pettit got 17%. Bobby Abreu. Injustice. Just total injustice. 15.4%. Another injustice. Jimmy Rollins, 12.9%. That's unbelievable to me. Mark Burley, 10.8%. Francisco K. Rod Rodriguez, 10.8%. And Torrey Hunter, 6.9%. and then any player who receives less than 5% drops off of future ballots, uh, which were Bronson Arroyo, R.A. Dickey, John Lackey, Mike Napoli, Houston Street, Matt Kane, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, J.J. Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and Jason Worth. I just don't get it. I Congrats to Scott Rowland, but, like, it's so dumb. <laughs> the, the Just looking at the list of players that got the – needed five percent to stay on the ballot there's an argument that every single one of those guys should be in it's so i don't get the gatekeeping with the it's the only organization that does this and it's just uh it's bizarre to me it blows my mind uh that like even if they're not going to get in first go around like some of these guys being their first year on the ballot like todd helton should have gotten in Jimmy Rollins should have more than 12.9% of the vote. Uh, Say what you want about, you know, their steroid use and everything. Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, and Andy Pettit should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Like, there's no reason that those guys should have less than what the the allotted vote total should be. Billy Wagner should be in. Gary Sheffield should be in. Andrew Jones should be in. It's ludicrous. Um, But, I mean, Scott Rowland gets in and... It was kind of weird to see a lot of the uh, the graphics rolling around uh, showing Scott Rowland in the Phillies uniform because it felt like he just detested Philadelphia. Um, our good pal Jack Fritz tweeted too. It was like, if Scott Rowland never forced his way out of Philadelphia, we could have had like one of the greatest infields collectively of all time of Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Scott Rowland. It turned out okay for us, yeah. but yeah, you know, <laughs> there is there is that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it it just see, it feels so weird too that like one guy gets in and that's gonna be your Hall of Fame ceremony this it's summer. Just bizarre to me. I I just don't I don't get it. I never will. The uh, official MLB account tweeted too uh, just a couple minutes ago. Uh, the never too early look ahead to 2024. Some first time Hall of Fame candidates next year will be Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, Chase Utley. David Wright, Jose Bautista, Adrian Gonzalez, Matt Holliday, Victor Martinez, Jose Reyes, and Bartolo Colon. If Chase Utley does not get in on his first try, it's crazy. I am redacted. You, <laughs> you can make the argument from these guys alone right here. That it should be like those first four should be in first try. Literally, yes. Hands down. That's like, on this graphic, it's Beltre, Joe Maurer, Utley, and David Wright. Yeah. A hundred percent. And for me, Jose Reyes is in. I like. I I think everybody on this list, as stupid as it sounds, Bartolo Colon like has done some crazy shit to make his way into the discussion. <laughs> like it's so bizarre. Like the NBA, like, and I get it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, but even right. the NFL's like, I don't the know. NFL's man, like, at least inducting eight guys a year. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? It's like. <laughs> It's a sport with like the most player pool, like the biggest player pool, and it's like one guy. Yeah. And one guy. Sometimes it's zero. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's ridiculous. Um, 
So we'll see, you know, what happens in 2024. Uh, and also tonight's bell ringer at the Sixers game, D- DJ Jazzy Jeff. Love it. Um, we'll see what happens there. The Phillies also uh, announced their non-roster invitees to spring training, which just has me super excited. Um, the fact that we're already getting this list, and it feels like the season just ended, but theoretically we're – two and a half weeks away from pitchers and catchers met i know um it's a strange feeling it's a strange feeling for sure it is like the truest besides groundhog day it is the truest sign that spring is coming yes uh and the following 21 players have been invited as non-roster invitees to major league spring training pitching wise on the right-handed side mick abel mark appel andrew baker john duplantier Lewis Head, Jake Jewell, Griff McGarry, Francisco Morales, McKinley Moore, Andrew Painter, Billy Sullivan, and Jeremy Walker. And then on the lefty side, Ben Bowden. And then the infielders, Jim Haley, uh, Vimile Machine, Will Toffee, Weston Wilson. What a baseball name. And get ready. Ghost of Christmas Pass, Scott Kingery. Yeah, it was a... I was a little surprised to see his name on that. It was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, three You're catchers. You're still living. <laughs> <laughs> Vito Frecia, John Hicks, and Max McDowell are the catchers that were invited. No outfielders uh, invited here, but apparently they're going to be using Scott Kingry as an outfielder during his time in spring training, which makes sense. Um, but, I mean, the big three, Mick Abel. Andrew Painter, Griff McGarry getting invited is amazing. Yeah, um, those are going to be the guys I think this this spring training that will be on everyone's everyone's mind, and I'm uh, sure we'll see a bunch of Twitter threads and uh, blog posts about them and and their progress. But looking forward to it, especially when you know JT, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber are going to be playing in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you're going to get you know additional time to to be watching some guys who you probably won't see a lot of. Uh, unless your name's Andrew Painter, probably, because, again, Rob Thompson teasing that he might make the uh, the opening day roster, along with Dave Dombrowski doing the same thing. And apparently at the, uh, I think it was like the Philadelphia like uh, Pro Sports Hall of Fame or something induction, uh, people were asking Dave Dombrowski if there were any other moves planned for this offseason. He said, I don't think there's any other big moves, and then he just winked at everybody. <laughs> what a tease. Like, what a guy. The fact that we had that wet paper towel, Andy McPhail, running this team during some of the core years of a rebuild, uh, I'll never forgive that fact uh, of hiring right there. But the but luckily, we, we got big baby Dave ready to rock and roll for us. Yeah. yeah I'm glad the uh, the Klentak era is in the uh, rear view. Although I think he's still, what is he doing? Is I think he... he's with the Brewers. I know. I know. Before that, he was like a greeter at the Diamond Club or whatever weird. <laughs> he was weird getting job. We he was get. getting Dave Dombrowski's coffee. <laughs> no, whatever weird job we ended up giving him. But. Let's see. Uh, is he with anybody now? I do think he ended up somewhere. I do remember us like reacting to him. Yeah, they hired to him. the Brewers hired him in January of 2022 as a special assistant in the organization. Whatever that means. It's very special. Uh, yeah. It's very special to them. Man. And I'm good for them, I guess. 
crazy. Thank goodness. Shout out to Dave Dombrowski. Um, but man, what a week it's going to be. Uh, the Union also make a, a move today. Uh, traded for a defenseman from Miami. Uh, I want to pull up their official tweet about it. Yeah, we're almost back in uh, in Union mode. God. Damian Lowe uh, from Inter-Miami in exchange for 2023 GAM and more. Mm-hmm. Which... As the, the Twitter kids say, explain this to me in NBA terms. I don't know that I could. I'm not as familiar with him as, as a player. Um, article here. Uh, but defensively is like one area like for depth that the Union could definitely uh, definitely explore some options. But the largest speaking is going to be, like we talked about, it's the same lineup uh, starting 11 pretty much that we, we had last year. No uh, no huge misses in uh, in that department, so that's going to be very exciting yeah so it's in exchange for two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in general allocation money uh in 2023 and a 2024 natural first round draft pick and as part of the agreement inter miami will also receive homegrown priority over shanader borgelin with philadelphia retaining a percentage of any future transfer over that player right so exciting stuff we're, we're pretty close to union season and matt i know we also we do this when it's fully announced, but we did get updates on uh, the promotional roster for the Phillies this season, and AJR has a post-game concert. That is impressive. That is uh, that's big deal. At Citizens Bank Park on Saturday, June 10th, uh, they also added some other promotional items that I want to pull up. Uh, Destiny Legardo tweeted about this the other day, and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to every single game of the Dodgers series because some great uh promotions that are going down during that one and here we go uh so there's a dick allen bobblehead day uh trey turner shirt for the kids alec bohm headband for the kids bryce harper funko pop for the kids and then the ajr postgame concert i think i'm gonna be borrowing my nieces and nephews yeah. a little bit 100 <laughs> percent uh, but once the full promotional schedule's out, you guys know we always go over that and try to, to pinpoint some of the stuff. But uh, I think we announced it, too. We do have the uh, Sunday season ticket plan officially, so we'll be down at the ballpark for 13 games this season on the Sundays and uh, some good games on the docket that we'll be down at Citizens Bank Park for, along with some of our uh, tailgate podcasts that we're planning throughout the season. So we're right around the corner from Philly season it's very exciting but we've got a big NFC championship game to get ready for uh and make sure you guys are following us on the socials at underground PHI to stay up to date with everything with our coverage of the NFC championship game and all of your favorite Philly sports teams it's at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram facebook.com slash underground sports PHI twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI you can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave those five-star reviews. Let us know your excitement about the NFC Championship game. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes 
of this podcast, every show on our network. You get live streams, original content, shorts. We've been pumping those out like crazy, so go subscribe. Uh, we're at 360 subscribers right now on the YouTube channel. Trying to get to 400 by the end of the month. We still got a couple days. You got about a week. So go subscribe. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Share the channel with your people. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below your excitement for the NFC Championship game. And a uh, big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course our awesome merch partners, PHI Apparel Company. Go get your merch. It's the most direct and effective way to support us uh, is by getting our merch with our code underground at checkout for 10% off any of our merch or any merch on their website at phiapparel.co. This has been episode number 502 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Go Birds. And until next time, we are signing off. Peace. I'm a people's